0: The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. Hola, listeners. This is the Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. Who are you? (laughs) I'm a robot.
1: Otherwise known as Melissa. And I'm Phoebe Judge. No,
0: just kidding. I'm CJ.
1: <laughs> I wish it was Phoebe Judge.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, episode 15. <laughs> and it's our spooky episode. <laughs>
1: this is going to be the whole episode, guys. We just do like a whole Halloween dance CD. Yes.
0: Lots of goblins and ghouls and witch titties. <laughs> witch titties. <laughs> this episode we decided is airing on the first, I
1: think. So, yes. So, all of y'all who are listening, the day our podcasts go live, hungover from the shenanigans of Halloween, we salute you.
0: Yes, we do. Um, okay. So how was your, your bike tour your Lance Armstrong? <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, so if for some reason you don't know what Melissa's referencing, I did a 170 mile bike ride fundraiser this past weekend over three days called NOLA to Angola, where we ride to Angola prison and we raise funds to help people go see their loved ones in prison. And it was really, really hard. Um I did it. I never got in the car although I have to confess the very last day there was one hill where for like 10 seconds I was like fuck this shit and walked my bike up. <laughs> Like, I'm done. I'm 110 miles, or 145 miles in. Like, I need to just not be on this hill. So beside that one little piece, I did the whole thing.
0: Wait, so there was a car that could, like, pick up stragglers? Oh, yeah. They have
1: have multiple cars riding along. So one of them is, like, the repair car. So if you get, like, a flat or something else happens that you don't have the materials to fix, they come in and just, like, fix you right away. And then they have just, like, a car for anyone. Because it's a hard ride. So if anyone feeling sick or faint or anything like that so everyone doesn't have to stop they can just like throw their bike in the van and then like get their get the rest of the way on the car if they want so i did want to talk about day two which melissa you might know from my instagram story but it was way too much so day two Day one and two, we did 70 miles each. And we have seven miles left on day two. So we're 63 miles in on day two. And I'm feeling good. Like we just finished this beautiful stretch of road. I was feeling way better than the day before. I was like, I'm fuck. I can do this. Like I'm used to this now. Like I already did a 70 day ride. And like, I'm a badass. It's all uphill. <laughs> the last seven miles all uphill. And like most of them are small but the first one was big. So like you die on the first one and we are biking straight into a headwind. And if you've never biked into a full on headwind, it is the worst thing ever for those of you who don't regularly bike because like you can't slow down. There's so much force acting against you that you have to like pedal as hard as you possibly can or your bike is just gonna like fall over. And then it starts pouring rain. Oh, God. Complete downpour, totally soaked head to toe. Like, there's no point. I have a poncho, but there's no point in putting it on because it doesn't matter at this point. Like, everything is just totally wet. And then there was a part two miles before the finish where because we're, we're riding like this whole part of the ride we're riding single file on the super busy road like there's no shoulder there's no bike lane we're just like riding on the edge of the road and there's like a gutter they have a little cement piece that separates them from the actual like, gravel of the road there was like a line in between the gravel and the gutter that was like perfect bike tire size and my tire went right into it And to stop myself from falling over, I had to like move my bike really fast and swung like right into the middle of the traffic lane. And it's pouring so hard, so I I can't hear if there's cars behind me. And like for a split second, I was like, I'm about to die. Like I'm about to get hit by a car. If there had been a car behind me, I would have been hit by a car. Like I went right into the middle of the lane. And that's when I fucking lost my shit. Like I just started crying, <laughs> like just like full on. Like my body is done. I have like no juice left. I have to keep going. I almost just died. And I just like I'm in the rain, just just sobbing, just like crying on my bike. Just like I just need to finish this. Um, and then we get we get into camp, and I park my bike, and I literally have to go like in a corner by myself and like cry. You've never done something super physically demanding like it can bring out some like weird emotions that you weren't expecting when you're like at your last ounce of energy and later that night I was talking to the lead rider because they have a designated lead so that like no one gets lost and he's like how was your ride blah I'm like I'm not gonna lie to you I was sobbing when we pulled up he's like oh no so was I, <laughs> I was okay like cool I was like not cool I'm sorry you were crying but like it's good to know that also the lead rider like the strongest rider is also like oh god I hate this yeah so,
0: well because it's, it's probably like one of those things where you want to quit so bad exactly and that's why you're crying because like you can't so, and so you're just like fuck this
1: shit so I'm gonna be deep here because I want to tie it into our podcast and I did actually think about this like when I was having my moment like how so many of our women that we cover can relate to that feeling yeah. of like being like i have nothing left to give i don't have any energy i don't have any spirit i don't have like there's nothing left but like you still have miles on the road like you you have to go like and you just find it you just magically generate your own power source and find a way to do it i mean there were so many moments in that last hour where I literally was talking out loud to myself. I was like, I can't do one more hill. Like, I was just like, I can't do another hill. I don't have any power left. And then another hill came and I just fucking out of somewhere deep in my body like found the energy to push through it and i did but it was like it was it brings up a lot of emotions you're just like i can't do it but you have to do it i mean i didn't have to, i could have gotten the van but at that point i was so close i'm like i have to fucking finish this you know yeah. so so that was like the deepest moment of the ride for me it was just like uh and then i, I won't go into the angola prison stuff because it is kind of dark but we did go to their rodeo and craft fair at the end it's really weird there's like prisoners in cages selling things to people and people are like partying like it's a county fair but it's at jail, like at a prison it's really weird and like totally american like you'd never find that anywhere else and it was just It was weird. It was just strange. What kind of shit are
0: they selling?
1: So that's, like, part of what's kind of sad is, like, incredible stuff. Like, you know, these people are locked up. Like, Angola is a serious prison. Like, Angola is a prison you go to for, like, life sentence, decades-long sentences. So, like, if you're in Angola, you're fucking there. And... You know, like you have nothing else to do. So like if they provide you with a creative outlet, like you can get really great at what you do. They were selling paint. I bought a painting from someone. There's all kinds of woodworking stuff. Like I guess they okay. must have like a big woodworking shop there cuz like that they were selling furniture.
0: Like an easy way to get shanked.
1: That's girl, I thought the same thing. Um <laughs> I was like they give, they give. I mean, who know? I don't know how it works. Maybe yeah. they like who knows. Um but yeah like a lot of woodwork that was like a big thing and then paintings drawings just like whatever you think of it like a craft fair there was leather work there was a lot of like belts and wallets and things Interesting. um it was weird and like when i walked in there was a band playing and so all of the inmates so not all of the inmates were in cages the ones that were in cages had like like sexual assault charges so that's like really complicated and like there's a lot to unpack there but th- there were other inmates who were like wandering around but they were in all white so you would know who they were mm-hmm. um and they so they were all performing on stage as like band of inmates and they were singing a song about freedom and i was just like i need to like <laughs> I need to backflip over this fence and get the fuck out of here. So I personally had never been to a prison. Like I'm high, like privileged person. I don't know anybody in prison. So that was my first time ever being on like prison grounds. And it was wild. Like, it's just wild. It's such a weird experience. But we raised, I, as of today, I've raised $850, (laughs) which is great. Like I originally was just hoping to raise like 300. The cause overall for this year has raised, I think $45,000. Wow. last time they sent an email which was a few days ago and like I made some friends it was like it was just a really good it was a powerful experience there was like some heavy stuff there was some like really fun stuff so it's all in all really good and I definitely want to get more involved in you know like helping prisoners and like showing compassion to that particular population so I'm really glad I did it it was hard as shit (laughs) I don't know if I would do it again I like the way we we camped every night I definitely would not do it again if I had to camp. If I did it again, yeah. I'd be like, I'm going to need a hotel. Thank you very much.
0: But... With, like, a king-size bed and, like, a freaking jacuzzi spa. Exactly. A masseu- oh! oh! On the second night, they had masseuses.
1: Nice. Yeah. So we. I mean, like it was like fifteen minutes because there were like sixty of us. But still, like when you've been riding in the rain and your body is wrecked, like I was like,
0: I love you so much. (laughs) Like you're an angel. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. So it was. Well, fucking props to you. You're you're woman of the week. Oh, thanks, girl. Uh, You spoiled it. Oh my god. oh god um can i
1: can i humble brag one last one last thing not that it was about it wasn't a race but it was the first long ride i've ever done on a bike that really isn't well suited for my body for a long ride and i finished like very solidly middle of the pack so i was nice i felt good about that because i wasn't sure i was going to survive and and neither were you
0: as we know yeah Yeah, i I was very afraid for you Yeah, Melissa was texting me throughout, like, are you alive? <laughs> are you still with us? <laughs> um, did anyone not finish?
1: There were some people, not many, but there were some people who... I mean, everyone finished, but there were some people who had, like, rides throughout. Yeah. Um. So there were a few people who didn't, like, bike every mile of the ride. But, like, that's cool, you know? Like, do what you can. Yeah. yeah and you still raise money. That's badass, so...
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, good job. Fuck it. Fucking killing it. Woohoo! I wish that I had anything remotely as cool to brag about in terms of my life, but my only updates are that I almost got attacked by a pregnant raccoon, and I partied at a place called the Moose Lodge last night. Did you get attacked by the raccoon at the Moose Lodge? Prior to
1: the Moose Lodge. <laughs> what a night! Yeah,
0: it was very uh, wild, wild west. Um, So I'll give the most briefest story possible. But basically, we're um, Zach and I were going to the Santa Monica Moose Lodge last night for like a little Halloween party that his mom was going to be at okay wait sorry what is a moose lodge exactly so <laughs> okay. i didn't have the slightest fucking clue as to what a moose lodge is he was like trying to explain it to me but we ended up just like pulling up the website and it's one of those community banquet hall hangouts where like the neighborhood can come and like i don't know host events and drink at the bar and like make friends i guess Kraken um so we went to it and it was some of the best people watching i have ever experienced in my life the drinks were cheap and strong as fuck (laughs) um there was actual moose heads like all around the vent space not sure if they were real or not but they were up there on the wall um and then there was like this jazzy bluesy band that was playing and these 75 year olds were fucking getting down on the dance floor and so it was a really interesting group of people um I had a lot of fun he hated it um I definitely got up there and did some dancing to Tina Turner Proud Mary because duh um and I had a lot of fun but all I could think about was that you need to find a moose lodge in New Orleans, because I bet you that shit is fucking lit. It's in New Orleans, dude. Like,
1: you're 100% correct did you okay not to be cheap but do you have to pay for drinks or was it like an open bar
0: no so you did pay for drinks um it was like cash only but like the drinks are strong as fuck you know because it's like the moose lodge you probably have like gator lodges probably (laughs) but i was told from like friends at work that these exist like all over the country dude well so in new orleans too
1: we have what are called social clubs which i think are maybe a little bit more exclusive but those are the people who put on the big mardi gras parades so that's like moose lodge on steroids yeah yeah yeah. This is gonna be a little
0: bit lower level
1: i'm gonna be an underground moose lodge reporter for this podcast it's gonna be a new segment to do it
0: (laughs) yeah okay but then back to the pregnant raccoon yes so uh, we were leaving for the moose lodge And I walk out of his front door first, which I've done 8 million times over the past couple of months. And I take one... So first of all, he lives in, like, a treehouse. Like, no joke. Like, you have to climb up, like, a shitload of these outdoor stairs to even get to his apartment. So -hmm. we're already, like, elevated super high. And there's this big monstrous tree that his neighbor has that, like, hangs around his apartment. And so... I walk out of the the front door and I hear on the left side of my ear. I literally hear something hiss at me, like shh. No, right? And like I'm telling you, it's nine o'clock at night. It's dark. And I just got hissed at, and I don't know where it came from or what the fuck it was. And, like, he hasn't come out yet, so he's still collecting his keys or doing whatever the fuck he's doing. And I hear that, and I, like, very silently, like, turn my head to the left, because I know something in that fucking tree just made a noise at me. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I make, like, literally eye-level, like, eye contact with a raccoon. Mm -mm. like a foot away from my face and i'm talking like perched in a tree Mm -mm. and it's at the same level as my face is no and i start screaming and he's like what what and i'm like there's a fucking raccoon and i just like tear down the stairs because i'm fucking terrified first of all I had to have told you that I'm afraid of raccoons. I feel like I knew this, yeah. Yeah, So, like, I I already have a raccoon phobia that developed in San Francisco Mm -hmm. and, like, it, it, like, literally if somebody were to be like, Melissa, what's your biggest fear? It would be raccoons. So, like, in that moment, like, that was the most terrifying moment I have ever had making eye contact with a raccoon in a tree at eye level one foot away. So, I fucking tear down the stairs and then he's like, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm like, there's a fucking raccoon. It's right in the goddamn Doorway, it's in the tree and it hissed at me, so now, like, he's scared (laughs) And (laughs) and he, like, won't come out of the house. And I'm like, What the fuck? Like, we gotta go, and he, like, will not leave. And I'm like, Just run, just run. And it's like a whole thing. He's gonna be, like, so mad I'm throwing him under the bus right now, but like. It was fucking scary. Cause like I think I hyped it up as like being the most terrifying thing ever. So then he was even more terrified. <laughs> Eventually he like gets out of the house and starts charging down the stairs. And we're like <laughs> we're both just like so afraid. So then we're like laughing about the raccoon and we go to the moose lodge and we have all these strong as fuck cocktails. And then we like come home and I'm like cracking jokes about the raccoon again, being like, I wonder if the raccoon's gonna be back, you know? And so we go to sleep we wake up in the morning and i like go out to get us breakfast and he's like staying in and i'm like oh shit like thinking in my head i'm gonna peek to see if the raccoon's in the tree which like it wouldn't be because it's the morning but i look and there's a fucking gigantic nest like the raccoon has built a house in the tree that hangs over his front door freaking out telling him there's a fucking raccoon's nest in your damn tree this is a fucking problem i can't live with this raccoon like what is going on so i like do some research and raccoons only build nests when they're gonna be giving birth Mm. so that fucking raccoon has built himself a little raccoon's nest to birth his little raccoon babies and it's literally. On Zach's front porch.
1: But Melissa, I know you hate raccoons,
0: but baby raccoons are so cute. I will literally shoot a baby raccoon in the face with a BB gun. That's something I didn't know about you until just now. (laughs) Damn. I am not about that fucking baby raccoon life. I am not. I am not about getting hissed at. As I exit a front door. Yeah, she didn't have to hiss at you. That was rude. Well, I didn't even know she was there. So it's like, bitch, you could have just kept your fucking mouth closed and no <laughs> one would have known that there was a damn raccoon's nest in that tree, like, ever. Dumbass. What are you doing? So I did all kinds of more research because now I'm just so paranoid about this raccoon situation and, like, it's not, it's bad news bears. So it's like Virgo thing you've ever said. You're like, I just researched
1: a thousand reasons to be anxious as fuck about this raccoon. <laughs> (laughs)
0: Yes, I already called animal control. And I (laughs) left them. Yes, I did. I left them a voicemail and was like, listen, there's a angry pregnant raccoon hanging out on our front porch and we need it to be gone. Well what do they do? Come and get rid of it not trying to fuck up the birthing process i just don't need it to be happening one foot from where we enter and exit on a daily basis
1: yeah come on support mothers what's your problem melissa all right you know what fair enough that raccoon
0: should be giving birth in a trash can where it belongs
1: i mean they are trash pandas so i can't really argue you on that one
0: So yes, this, that was the story of my Saturday night, but long story short, the moral of the story is you need to find a Moose Lodge in New Orleans. So we're so far in, do we even do a wine review? Yeah, we can just make it speedy. Okay, I'll start. Okay. So one of these wines that I got in that wine club is a Cape Root Chenin Blanc, and I Mm. hate it. Oh no! Yeah, and to be honest, I don't know if I've actually ever had a Chenin Blanc before. Uh-huh. Like, I know the name and the varietal, but I can't actually recall a time or a place where I've like ordered a glass. Mm-hmm. And I'm not enjoying it. Mm. And I don't really know why yet, but I I think it's more just the fact that I enjoy Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Grigio more for sure. That it's can just I see like, the label? Because I have to see the label. Yes, it's a cute label. You guys, it's a cute label.
1: I'm too lazy to describe it, but it's cute.
0: It's blue and it has like these little flowers on it. Oh, um, Melissa was like, "I'm not lazy." <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's a it's a Shannon uh, Blanc 2017 from Santa Barbara County. It does look really yellow
1: yeah like in a way that reminds me of chardonnay so I don't trust it
0: yeah maybe that's what it is and like I don't really know much about Chenin Blanc so I don't really Hmm. I don't know what's going on with this but I'm not I'm not enjoying it but I am drinking it god bless you I know I'm proud you never let alcohol go to waste no
1: um okay quickly because I've reviewed this company before, but I don't think this particular wine. So this is the, this is, and I didn't buy it for tonight. I bought it the day after the ride, like thinking I really wanted to drink. And my body was like, fuck that. We're not going to drink right now. I was like, just kidding. So this is the Prophecy wine that i've discussed before where like the labels are very clearly based on tarot cards and this is the pinot grigio so i think last time i reviewed their sauvignon blanc which i prefer um but i love this one it looks like the star card in the tarot deck and it's super cute the wine itself is like fine yeah like i don't have like strong feelings either way like i'm gonna drink this whole bottle on ice as i always do and wait let's see the label
0: yeah that's cool
1: yeah so sorry guys you can't see because this is a podcast and there's limitations (laughs) but it's really cute again it looks like it's like this beautiful maiden sitting in a pool there's like water flowing everywhere there's stars it's very clearly based on the star card i need to like reach out to prophecy and be like hey i have a podcast and i read tarot let's make this happen and they'll be like who are you bye yeah basically but it's fine. like I have 700 subscribers on YouTube. I'm practically famous. So, uh, yeah. I'm like a
0: celebrity. And we have like 12 listeners on our podcast, and like four of them are not from the United States. International. Okay. Okay. Wine review done. Okay. Spooky.
1: And you know what?
0: I was just thinking it's okay that our intro is long because my lady is a short story today. Okay. Okay, cool. Cute. So, are we ready? I'm ready no 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 (laughs) no all right welcome to halloween sisterhood of the bottomless mimosa we're too
1: we're too amateur to put in like sound clips so we're just making them ourselves
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so today since we wanted this to be a spooky theme my options of women were limited um especially good women Mm. But I did dig up a lady that I will be com- covering tonight who I I've never heard of. I'm sure you've never heard of her and I'm sure sure like most people that are listening to this podcast have never heard of her either. So, welcome to the story. So today I am covering La Planchada who is the ghost of a nurse who wanders the halls of hospi- hospitals throughout Mexico and cares for the sick who need medical help.
1: <gasps> yes!
0: yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um so the legend of mexico's la planchada is relatively recent as she just became like a legend in the 1900s or so and la planchada is spanish for the ironed lady and she was given that name after Hospital Juarez in Mexico City claimed that she appears in her old 1920s to 1930s nurse uniform, which is always perfectly ironed and crisp, never looking wrinkled in any way whatsoever. Um, there are a lot of different stories about La Planchada in terms of like her life prior to death, like why she became a ghost like what did she do in her life what's her actual like human story prior to her ghost legend but there's one that's like most commonly known so that's the one that I'm going to talk about because there's like five different ones and they're all very different so that doesn't make sense I'm just going to talk about the one that's most common like among actual people in Mexico that know this story and grew up with it. This is the one they're probably most familiar with. So in the 1930s, a nurse by the name of Eulalia, which I'm positive I'm saying that wrong as usual, um, she she worked at hospital Juarez that I mentioned earlier. And when she was alive, she always wore very crisp Uh, clean ironed uniforms she was known to be a very good nurse and her patients were really lucky to be in her care but this changed when a nice young handsome doctor joined the hospital's staff um Eulalia and this doctor started to see each other socially and most likely bang it the fuck out hell yeah and it wasn't long until she fell in love with him and the two became engaged. Shortly after they got engaged, the doctor left to attend a medical seminar and to Eulalia's surprise and concern, he did not return the following week. Um, then another week passed and the doctor still did not return. And so she started to freak out, like what the fuck happened to my fiance? Is he dead? Like, did something bad happen? Why didn't he come back from the seminar? and it wasn't until several weeks had passed that the hospital got word from the doctor and it turned out that he'd met another woman in the town that hosted the seminar and the two had wed.
1: You and fuck boys
0: man. I know. (laughs) Fuck him! I know. So heartbroken Eulalia like fell into a deep state of depression and she was so distracted by her sorrow and like her sadness that it began to reflect in her work Aww. she started to neglect her patients um and one night one of her patients died as a direct result of her neglect no. so like realizing her like major fuck up she became ill herself <gasps> and not having the will to fight for her own life she ended up dying in the hospital that she worked at baby you you i know so soon after her death strange things started to happen patients nurses and doctors at the hospital claimed to like have seen her walking the emergency room halls like knowing that she'd already been dead like they started seeing her randomly and then like she'd go down a hallway and they'd see her but then she'd turn and they'd look and she'd be gone and so they were like something's fucking happening like something's going on here um but the strange thing is that all of the witnesses who've claimed to have seen her have like very different reports as to how she looks so some claim that she appears as a young woman with long hair others say that she's an old woman with short hair some say she appears like a totally normal human being just with like a slight aura to her like physical appearance and others say that she's like completely a ghost and is walking through closed doors and like walls And some have said that she floats while others say that she walks normally, but her footsteps are never heard. So, like, all of these, like, reports are kind of obviously contradictory of each other, but, like, the one uh, common theme that every witness has... Well, not every witness. All of the patient witnesses have all agreed upon is that she appears to them at night, and the very next morning, they all suddenly feel better. Mm. And so, like when the next morning comes and the doctors come to check on them, these people are like, oh, like, I'm fine. They're like, what do you mean you're fine? And they've all said that, like, a nurse came to me in the night and healed me. But there was no one in the hospital, like, guarding their doors, and no nurses came to them in the night during, like, the times that people are claiming the incidents occurred. And so it's been reported that law planchata appears when some patients in the hospital have not taken their medications whether that's due to like negligence of the other nurses or for whatever reason and on several occasions the patients have argued with their doctors that they took their medicine last night when in fact no nurse came in to supply it Whoa. And in addition, some of the night nurses that like work, you know, the the whatever they call it, the night shift, um, they have reported that like a few of them have like you know nodded off or whatever in their desk area and have woken up to like the feeling of a hand like slapping them across the face. (laughs) And when they wake up, there's like no one there.
1: Oh, like La Planchada is not fucking around.
0: She's not fucking around. (laughs) um and so it's stated that eulalia returns as the spirit nurse because of like her sense of guilt over her own neglective or neglectful actions after you know she got all heartbroken over some fuck boy and then like killed a fucking patient Mm -hmm. and so like regardless of whatever the like real story is of eulalia whether it was about a doctor who broke her heart or whatever it could be um All of the hospitals in Mexico have claimed, like almost every, actually it's mainly the metropolitan areas of Mexico, um, specifically Mexico city. They've like almost every hospital has claimed to have seen her ghost. And many of the patients have stated that they've not only seen her, but they've been under her care at night. And it's sometimes stated that she specifically takes care of patients that stay in the room where she herself died. That's, I was going to ask, like, is there a pattern to who the patients are? Are they like... Well, so it's always emergency care unit, like okay. intensive care. Which is what um, she worked. Which is, I think, is what she worked. But I also read a different report that they think that, which obvi- a lot of this is obviously legend um but that they think that she goes around and like checks out the whole hospital and zeroes in on like who needs the most care and then she like focuses there because I think there have been some reports that patients have seen her but like maybe they didn't you know receive care by her but like all of the emergency room intensive care did that's nuts and so that's the story. It's short you, and sweet.
1: <laughs> sorry, I'm an idiot who took French in high school growing up in California. What does La planchada mean?
0: No, so that means the Iron Lady oh that's like, like oh you said yeah, that like that's yeah, how it yeah. translates so like in spanish that translates as the ironed lady which was the nickname given because of the way her uniform looks every time they see her my
1: god so was she like real is that confirmed you Ula- eulalia
0: yeah so eulalia is real and she lit she was born or living or working during like the t- 1920s to 30s but i can't find any info like a biography on her uh-huh. but that that people believe that she's the ghost because after Eulalia did die in that hospital, the her ghost is what they claim was walking around afterwards. It's just a lot of uh you know, different stories as to how she died and like what occurred in her in her life to like cause her death or to cause her depression or her grief or her neglect as a nurse.
1: Mm.
0: Isn't that crazy? That's nuts And so this is like a very, very common legend Throughout all of Mexico.
1: Like and it's every- like still, do you know if people still say to this day that they see her?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But only like in the metropolitan areas.
1: Wow. Well, she's like, so- I ain't going to the countryside. Fuck that shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she's only been seen in those types of cities. Wow. Um but yeah like apparently this is still a very common story that like is told you know on like the schoolyards and stuff and like mm. the little girls are like la planchata like come take care of me <laughs> and stuff like that. So who knows if it's real or not but I thought it was kind of a spooky yet positive story to tell for Halloween.
1: You know what's ironic is that when you said la panchata cuz again my domestic french and I don't know any Spanish, but so, you know, Ouija boards, do you know yeah. what, like how there's like the board and there's the piece with that, with the eyeglass? Do you know what that's called? No. It's called the planchette. Oh, weird. Which, I just now made the connection, might actually be based off the French word for iron, because it looks like an iron, if you picture it in oh, your mind. how weird. I don't actually know that. I should probably Google it. But so when you said planchata, that's like immediately where my head went, was to a Ouija board and the what, planchette. How weird would it be if all of that actually, like, aligns? All right, look, I'm going to look at that. Can, definitely not the French word for iron. The French word for iron is le fer which makes sense because the the hi like guys I went to school the periodic table abbreviation for iron is fe so oh, like wow. the french word is fer um, and I do remember that cuz I actually really liked chemistry probably cuz it was related to drugs um, but a planchette is defined as a small board supported on casters usually heart shaped fitted with a vertical pencil for automatic writing and seances so it's like very specific to seance but anyway that is where my brain went when you said la planchata so that's,
0: that's funny. funny
1: um okay i want to like ask you questions but i feel like we should do the the sign
0: first well i have no clue what her sign is do you have like speculation as what you think it is um, I guess we could, I guess I could, I could, yeah, I guess my first assumption would probably be like, uh, I don't know, like Virgo or Cancer. Mine was Virgo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why do you
0: think that? Well, and I was also thinking Cancer
1: though. Well, th- finally pressed close. So
0: yes. it's just like that
1: attention to detail. Yes. Um the fact that she like lost her shit after losing a patient, which like not that that's not terrifying, but that's like as a nurse it's going to happen to you at some point in your career that just happens. Um so like just like being hard on herself for something that may or may not have even been her fault, which I feel like Virgos can do. They can be really hard on themselves. And just cuz I do also feel like Virgos are really caring and that's also why Cancer would have been my backup like i do feel like virgo is a nurturing sign
0: yeah and as is cancer right and like cancer being like the mother of the zodiac and nurturing and caring and loving it seems like normal response for them to come back as a ghost and like care for people right right and i could imagine them also getting hard on themselves about a mistake they've made definitely hardcore hardcore definitely
1: Let's let's settle on like Virgo sun, Cancer ascendant.
0: Okay. Cool. Cool.
1: Okay, now I want to ask you since it's our spooky episode. Do you believe in ghosts? Uh, yeah.
0: Have you have
1: you experienced one?
0: I've never seen a ghost, but remember I had that weird thing happen to me after Elliot died?
1: Oh, like you woke up and you heard him, right? Yeah.
0: I like heard him talking to me in my ear.
1: Word.
0: And like, I very much believe that that happened because another thing happened once right around the time that he had passed also in my sleep. I was sleeping and all the lights in my apartment turned on and I like woke up because it all of a sudden was completely lit and it i had gone to bed with it being dark that is weird and this was like very shortly after he'd passed away and like i think it was probably like three days into him having been like having passed i like was in my apartment by myself just like i mean i like cried every single day specifically this one day i was like talking out loud being like please like come see me like please talk to me please tell me you're okay like I was like begging him and like vocalizing it speaking it out loud and that was the night that he came and spoke to me in my ear and then like two days after that is when the light thing happened
1: oh shit
0: and for people that don't know Elliot was an old boyfriend of mine that had passed away pretty tragically at a very young age um recently that like
1: Makes sense to me, too, that it happened so close, like as if his spirit was still here because it was so close after his departure, you know, like his juju is still around like checking in on people that it happened so quickly afterwards
0: yeah and i feel like that is like that's been reported too that like when people die they're most active like right after they've passed because they're mm -hmm. still kind of in that like transition period of like physical to like entity or whatever Mm -hmm. um And so I've never, I've never heard from him since. It was only that first week after he'd passed that he came to me, which I believe was two different times, Mm -hmm. but I never saw him. It was just, I heard his voice in my ear. It was like audio. Like Mm -hmm. I woke up to a sound and then the other time was the lights. Yeah. Can I tell you something fucking weird? Yes. Okay. So, my sister recently, I think I told you about this, maybe, which now I'll just tell it for the podcast. But, do you remember when my sister had invited me to go to see a medium? Yes. And I, for whatever reason, didn't end up going. I can't remember why. I had planned to go, but my sister went. And, several people got like so it was kind of structured in the sense where like everybody was sitting in this room and the medium would like look at somebody and be like a spirit has like come for you this is what i'm like collecting so like not everybody had a, a spirit come like my sister didn't hear from anybody and she was like really wanting to hear from my grandma mm. and nothing came for her but the fucking medium said like to the group after it was done like a, a spirit has come here for someone named Melissa. Shut up. No lie. And that my sister started freaking out and was like, My sister was supposed to be her. Her name's Melissa. And the person was like, Well, th- somebody is here. I feel an energy. Somebody came for her. Did she say anything else? No, because I wasn't there with my hundred bucks to get the <laughs> right, info. Right, for sure. Right. Oh, Can my you believe God. that? That is nuts. So then I'm like, Who the fuck came for me? <laughs> because i always believe it's either gonna be ricky my friend ricky who passed away or elliot like those would be the two people that would come for me because they were like two of like the closest people to me that i've ever passed yeah so yeah i totally believe in i don't know ghosts but like spirits coming and sending messages that like you can recognize as a message being sent yeah for sure what about you so
1: I as we're like telling these stories, I'm like, I have to fucking tell this story. So I've never like seen a ghost. I once thought I heard a ghost, and I'll get to that in a second, but I don't think it was a ghost. Um, and I'm someone who like even though I'm very much like try to keep an open mind, I'm like, I just don't, I've never seen it, so I don't know how to to like if I believe in it or not. But what you were saying about like these messages, like all the cheetah prints and stuff like that, that I do believe. So um, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast or not, but when I was 18, my father passed away somewhat suddenly. And um, when I was probably, I think, like 21 or 22, I was living at my mom's for a summer, kind of like in between housing. And her and my brother and I like got in a fight which was pretty common and I remember it was a very rare moment where I prayed to my dad which I didn't do that often but I was just like god I like because my dad and I were really close and so I was just like I wish you were here I wish I could like talk to you like I just had this fight like I just wish you were here um and then I come home from work the next day and my mom very is acting really weird and she's like have you been thinking about your father and I was like well yeah I mean I think about him a lot like at that point he'd only been dead a few years that was like a pretty important relationship like I thought about him a lot and I was like
0: yes
1: (laughs) kind of like "Uh uh-huh and she was like because he's been thinking about you and I was like what the fuck and she hands me this letter now why she opened mail that was addressed to me is a whole other topic oh my mom always does that yeah but hi moms you guys are nuts. so she hands me this letter. So keep in mind, I was 18 when he died. I was 22 when this happened. So this is four years. It's just like this very brief letter postmarked from Pasadena of all places. It's just like two sentences. And this woman, and God, I forget her name. She said, my son, while traveling, found this in Lafayette, California. I wanted to send it back home. And inside was a check, like from my dad's banking account, written to me, dated the day that he died and it was his handwriting like i know my dad had very distinct handwriting so it's like his handwriting he wasn't even in the state of california when he died he was in michigan So apparently, like somewhere in life, he had postmarked a check to me or like, but it was addressed to me dated on the day that he died. And four years later, like someone found it like A, it managed to survive for four years. B, someone found it. C, instead of throwing it away, they kept it. D, they gave it to their mom. And E, she decided to mail it to the address that was printed on the check. That's how it got to our house because it was the same address my mom lived at and like man and took the time to mail it to me like the day after I was praying to my dad like saying I wish you were here
0: that's fucking crazy so
1: that I was like okay like I'm a very logical person but even I can't fucking like that was not logic that was something entirely just
0: like when fucking Lucille Ball had those flowers arrive yes right at the front door right but like (laughs) on the day she
1: but like four years
0: later like that and that's like what I can't
1: and you know what's so weird is that I held on to that check like it was a like that was like one of my most prized possessions and one day it's it was just like gone like I guess I lost it in a move or something which like doesn't make sense to me because I guarded it so like fiercely because it was so important to me but I really feel like that was even more proof like it was a message you needed at the time like I literally feel like he took it back like because I never remember losing it like I don't like it doesn't make any sense that it came out of my possession at any point but like at one point I was like I don't know where that check is so I think it really was just him being like here it is here's this for you like I'm still here I got you and you don't need it now so I left that's So. so crazy the other time that is like this is kind of funny so I was house or I was dog sitting for my mom's best friend and she had these two like kind of fat dogs like they were diabetic fat like I had to give them shots dogs get diabetes and you have to give them shots Aww. I know like but they were really cute and I was falling asleep in her I was staying in like her son's room her like grown son's room and all of a sudden I just hear <sighs> and I was like what and I kind of like jolt up and I'm like okay I think I'm like half asleep But I'm on high alert. And then all of a sudden, a few minutes later, I hear like, I'm like what the fuck and her son was like a boy scout and had like a collection of daggers hanging on his wall so I like grab a dagger off the wall and I start like yelling I'm like who are you like leave me alone like blah 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 blah. and then I hear it again and I literally like drive to my mom's house in the middle of the night and like stay the rest of the night at her house because I was so freaked out and then I went back the next morning and at some point in that dog sitting period the do- one of the dogs was asleep and made that noise in its sleep, and <laughs> then I just started cracking up because I think because it was like so fat, it made like fat little death rattles in its sleep. Ew. <laughs> Poor little baby. So I was like, oh, haha, ha, just kidding. That but is I- so funny. <laughs> So that was like the closest I ever got to thinking I heard a ghost and then realized it was not a ghost. It was just a fat dog. (laughs) Oh my God. That's
0: amazing. But I
1: also, since we're on this topic and it's like the spooky episode, so it's appropriate. Um, So Jimmy, my best friend who I've mentioned many times on this podcast, he lives in this really old house in Denver, like hundreds of years old. And the other day, because I get all weird during Halloween time, and I'm like, do you believe in ghosts? And I start asking my friends creepy ass questions. And I was just like texting him yesterday. I'm like, do you ever see, like, do you ever have like ghost stuff happen in your house? I bet you there's ghosts there. He's like, yeah, I've seen stuff. And I was like, like what? And he was like, I've seen people. I'm like, yeah, because people live in your house. He was like, no, I mean, like I've been in like going to the bathroom in the middle of the night and seeing people in the middle of the rooms that are empty and I was like me fuck I was like do you ever talk to them and he was like, no. I'm like, see, that's where you and I are different people. Like, I would immediately be like, um, excuse me, why are you in my house? Like, what do you
0: want? What are you doing here? And how can I get rid of you? And what's he's like, what's your favorite color? What type <laughs> of wine do you like? Do I'd be, you be like, what's your sign?
1: <laughs> and he's like, and that's why ghosts don't, don't show themselves to you. I'm like, fair point. Like,
0: that is hilarious. Yeah.
1: So I don't know. I think I'm just one of those people that like ghosts know not to try me because I just be like, don't try me but I do believe in like that other stuff like getting signals like that check like that I do believe in but an actual apparition I believe people see it I'm not saying I don't believe it doesn't like I just don't think it'll ever happen to me because I would just not tolerate it
0: yeah I kind of feel the same way I feel like like I'm open to messages because like I've asked for them I've been like please like just Mm. like tell me you're okay and like that could come in any form Right. But I don't know that I would be open or welcoming of, like, the fucking body of Elliot walking through my wall and being like, yo, girl, what's up? Right, exactly. I would fucking freak out. Right
1: right I'd be like get out of here like if my dad walked in the room right now I'd be like get the fuck out of my house like I would be like oh my god it's so nice to see you I'd be like leave right now I will see you when it's time good day yeah that's
0: too scary like send me like you keep talking to me in my sleep turn the lights on like you know whatever you gotta do but like don't fucking show your face like that's too weird
1: well and that's why like with jimmy i'm like well you're like an aquarius dominant so that's like exactly who ghosts would come to
0: oh yeah they'd be like hey
1: like <laughs> <laughs> aquarians would be like what up so that makes sense you guys holy fuck you guys send us your ghost stories by the time we get them it'll be too late but like we want to read them anyway yeah that'd be fun okay,
0: okay. As you pull up your, like, giant eighteen hundred scroll. Listen, I, for those of you
1: who haven't noticed yet, Melissa does all of her stuff on the computer like a normal person in 2018. I, if you've never noticed by the background noise of my flipping pages, do everything in a notebook because I'm from the 1820s. Welcome. Hopefully I'm not so drunk that I'm going to fuck this up because I did my notes out of order. Okay. So I'm super excited, and because I am a witch, and because I take my witch business very fucking seriously, I read an entire book on my woman, and the only other woman I've done that for was Pamela Coleman Smith, a tarot illustrator, because that's how I roll motherfuckers. Also because I was too tired to party this weekend after that ride, so I was like, I'm gonna just lay in bed and read this book. My woman, is actually unbeknownst to most people, two women that most people think is the same woman and is one of the most, no, is probably the most famous, well-known, notorious historical characters of New Orleans. And her name is Marie Laveau, which you may also know from the 2013 American Horror Story season of Coven, where Marie Laveau was represented to perfection by newbie and queen angela bassett
0: i have never seen american horror story You
1: okay listen listen american horror story is like come see come saw but if you you need to watch coven you need to watch okay. season three it's on netflix okay. like immediately you need to watch it especially okay. as someone who's been to new orleans because it's filmed in new orleans nice so it's like i you'll see places you know and it's still d- divine so, Marie Laveau was a woman who actually lived in the 1800s who is known as who's the most famous voodoo priestess of all time. But in actuality, Marie Laveau was actually two people, her and her daughter, which a lot of people didn't know. So a lot of people thought her daughter was an extension of her. So i'll get to that in a minute i would have i thought you'd seen coven so i this won't mean the same thing to you as i thought it would but it's okay so step one for our listeners go watch season three of american horror story before i go into the story of marie laveau and that's why that's also why i read the book i read a book by um martha ward the name of the book is voodoo queen the spirited lives of marie laveau and uh, martha ward is a professor at the university of new orleans what up girl And I wanted to read a book on her because she's the most famous person I think that ever came out of New Orleans, besides maybe Louis Armstrong. And I wanted to make sure I did my city right and not fuck this up. So I had to go all the way A+. So before I get into her story of her and her daughter, I just wanted to find a few terms that are a little bit contentious, but I have to do this as a New Orleanian. I got to throw it up. So you're going to hear me use the word Creole. And a lot of people might know this word, but most of us don't know what the fuck it means. And I got to tell you, even in Louisiana, it's not clear what Creole means. It's hotly debated. It's hotly contested. But for the purposes of this episode, a Creole is a person who is a French-speaking Catholic. So that is native to New Orleans. So a lot of the time, Creole refers to people who have a mix of African and European blood, but there are also white Creoles, so that's why it's hard to define it like that. But when you hear me saying Creole in the context of this story, it's a French-speaking Catholic, and in the context of Marie Laveau, who has a mix of African and European blood i'm also going to talk about voodoo because she was a voodoo priestess now i feel like i have to say this as a witch from new orleans (laughs) voodoo spelled v-o-o-d-o-o the way you know voodoo is a distinctly new orleans religious practice so the easy way to sum it up is it's a mix of african and catholic traditions that is a super like overhead view there are thousands of books of voodoo don't fight me about this you can read it if you want more information you can look those up but voodoo is a new orleans tradition then there's southern hoodoo which is more geographically widespread and has some overlap with voodoo but that's not new orleans specific and then there is voodoo which is spelled V-O-U-D-O, which is Haitian voodoo, which is not the same thing as New Orleans voodoo. Don't fuck that up in the city of New Orleans because they will tell you that you're wrong. And the person that I go see most regularly for my rituals and spellcraft, which I do, is a practitioner of Haitian voodoo. But I'm talking about New Orleans voodoo. All right, just had to get that out of the way. As a New Orleanian, I had to say it.
0: Okay, I, first of all, I didn't know New Orleanian was a thing.
1: Uh, I I don't know if it is, but I said it.
0: (laughs) I like it. People from New Orleans are listening. They're like, you
1: fucking idiot. That's not even how we self-identify. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm from California. (laughs) New Orleanian. Um... Okay, so I'm going to tell you about Marie Laveau first, and then I'm going to talk about Marie Laveau II, which is her daughter. So Marie Laveau I, descriptions of her color vary. So she has been described as yellow, as red, as brown, as ebony black, but everybody agreed that Marie Laveau was breathtakingly beautiful and was 100% Creole. So Marie was born in New Orleans in 1801. In 1803, the United States purchased Louisiana from the French. So she was born into a French colony, but at the age of two, the United States bought Louisiana. So even though she grew up in this technically American state, it was still very much like French, French colonist. Her main language was French. She did speak English. But my point kind of being is that as a Creole, and as someone who was born in a french colony two years before the united states bought louisiana she already is a woman who occupies like two worlds so she's born into this country as a woman of color but creoles were free people of color in the state of louisiana which meant that you could not enslave them so there were like black slaves in louisiana but creoles were not even though they had like black blood which is like a problematic term sorry but they obviously had black coloration to their skin they were considered free people of color and they had different privileges it's really interesting they did not have the same legal privileges as whites which i'll get into later but they could not be enslaved Wow! Yeah, that's insane. It's nuts. This book by Martha Ward goes into like all of that, and it's super interesting stuff. It's one of the many ways in which Louisiana and New Orleans is just different from the rest of the U.S. Yeah, like it just inherited this completely different culture. Marie Laveau was professionally a nurse for many years. So in this, in the Southern United States in the 1800s. Battles were happening left and right. The British were fighting the Americans. The British and the Americans were fighting the French. The Spanish were fighting. I mean, like everybody was fighting. And in the city of New Orleans, where most of the city is like half underwater because it's a swamp, epidemics ran rampant. There were a lot of mosquitoes. There were a lot of vectors for disease. So she was like a big time nurse, new herbal medicine, new folk medicine, just already had those sort of like witchy makings. No one knows for sure exactly when she became a public voodoo practitioner, but it was sometime between the Battle of New Orleans in 1815 and her first child's birth in 1827. So, sometime between 1815 and 1827, she becomes like famous in New Orleans as a voodoo priestess. And even though she wasn't the first voodoo priestess, she is to this day by far the most famous. And I don't really know why. Like this research, like, I don't know why she became as famous as she did. The research on her is really scant. A lot of it is legend. A lot of it is conjecture. So be aware of all of that. But for whatever reason, maybe because she was as powerful as she was, she became like the most famous priestess in New Orleans to this day in Mardi Gras parades. People like shout her out um voodoo priestesses who undergo initiation in new orleans from what i hear because i've never been at a ceremony but from what i hear they still invoke the spirit of marie Laveau, like she's top of the heat so she's actually as i said because she's creole she's a french-speaking catholic so she's leading like two lives she's leading the life of like a devout catholic she's going to mass every sunday but in her off time she's a voodoo priestess and it is legend, it is a legend or is it alleged that she made a deal with a local priest uh, named Père Antoine that she would fill his church every Sunday with people if he would just kind of like keep the Catholic church out of her voodoo business. And it is said that they made an agreement and she kept his church full every Sunday and the Catholic church basically just like stayed out of her way so she could do her voodoo priestess magic. Wow. Yes. So on Sundays after mass that she would go to, she would lead a large contingent of people of color and white people, but mostly people of color to Congo Square in the French Quarter, which is still there to this day. They'd dance, they'd eat, they'd sing, they'd chant. Um, There was this gigantic live oak. So like Melissa, if you'll remember all the oak trees when you were here, the oak trees are like the pride of New Orleans. There was Mm -hmm. this giant massive oak in the middle of Congo Square where everybody would congregate and they would um, at the end of the day when they were leaving everything behind, they would put an offering of food alcohol and money into that oak tree and some people claimed it was a voodoo practice of an offering but other people claimed that it was her being basically charitable and leaving food and money and drink out for the poor people in the city oh wow! so depending on like how you viewed her she was either like this person who was doing great social work for the city or she was like a satanic worshiping witch depending oh, on what you believe Um, white people, of course, were freaking the fuck out because it's the 1800s in New Orleans. And they were like, oh, like those like black people are going to Congo Square. They're playing their music too loud, which like people still complain about today. Like there's, they're worshiping Satan. I don't pretend to be a master of voodoo, but voodoos do not worship Satan. Just want to put that out there. So... She, um, in 1819, you're going to love this, she marries, so she's 18 years old, she marries another Creole man, and so here's where I'm going to get into Creole politics real quick. So the Creoles, as I said, were free people of color, but they weren't given the same privileges as whites, so they couldn't marry anyone but other Creoles. They couldn't marry white folk, Mm -hmm. and obviously they couldn't marry slaves, so it was really common practice for Creole women to basically become like second wives to white men. So like on paper, they weren't wives, they were mistresses. But these men would have like completely separate families with these Creole women. They would like raise their kids, they would pay for their kids to grow up. And like that was pretty much as good as a God as a Creole woman. So Marie Laveau was one of the rare women who got to enter into an actually like legally binding marriage with a man because he was also a Creole, which was the only person that Creoles could marry. They could only marry each other. But by 1824, so five years after their marriage, all references to her husband disappear in the historical record. And she starts going by the title of widow. So there's no death certificate for him to our knowledge there's no like burial ground for him there's no tomb or gravestone for him we don't know what happened to him but he gone and she's a voodoo priestess (laughs) and i'm sure it was the 1800s and it was a really rough time but i kind of want to believe that she just like killed her husband off you're like we don't know where he gone but he gone (laughs) he out he was gone he was gone in the mid 1820s, she marries her second and last husband. So, like, this is the guy she's with forever. His name is, I think, Christophe Glapion, who is white. Oh, wow. So, like, he, in order to legally be with her, he legally makes himself a person of color. How do you do that legally? it was like so i'm not gonna bore you with the details but basically like he had to go through like all of these like he had a brother of cult like because his dad also had a creole mistress he had a brother who was a creole and like kind of leveraged him to be like see i'm a creole too and like went through all of this like finessing of the legal system to make himself a white man a man of color under like 1820s louisiana law so that he could be with marie
0: holy shit that yeah. i feel like that's like the original blackface dude i mean i also feel like that
1: pussy was popping that she was like you're gonna sacrifice all your white fucking privileges to be with this
0: yeah like he
1: could have just made her his creole mistress but she's like no bitch like i'm not a mistress <laughs> like i am number one but so marie Laveau's legend before i get into her daughter she's she's known like if you read up on the legends of her it's like she made men grovel on their knees like she ran the political system in new orleans she had the cops under her thumb who knows what we know for sure is that she did seem to have some pretty legit political connections Like, we know that the sheriff of the New Orleans Police Department would come visit her at regular intervals at her house on St. Anne Street. We know that she was often working in the prisons, at parish prison in New Orleans, like, reading people their last rites, helping people get acquitted for crimes. And we know that she more or less was left alone in this very Catholic city to do her voodoo stuff. So whether that was her just being, like, a politically savvy woman or a witch that's anyone's guess but she was somebody who is very much like respected and 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 hated depending on who you were so a Mm -hmm. lot of people loved her a lot of people thought she was satan she was evil she was the devil in any case in 1827 marie has her first child a daughter named marie so she named her daughter after herself which is great uh with this with the second husband who eventually also becomes a voodoo priestess and like i said earlier people seem to not be clear on who is who so in american horror story coven she's the character of marie Laveau is like this immortal character who never gets old but that was also like kind of based on a local legend because people would see her daughter on the street her name was marie Laveau, and people would be like oh my god like marie Laveau's is like 80 years old but look how good her but look how good she looks oh and it was actually god. her daughter uh, yeah like, so it was like i don't know like if that how was good she looks was <laughs> yeah. <She's> like 30 <laughs> yeah so i don't know if that was intentional like if it was, that's some good ass marketing. But either way, like it created it added to this legend of like this woman never gets old, this woman never dies. Yeah. So Marie Laveau number two, who's born in 1827, Melissa, I thought about you the entire time I read about her. She was a total party girl like i'm not a party girl (laughs) okay she was a total party girl like hoeing it up she was also beautiful like her mother like just getting all of her life she would go to her mother's voodoo stuff but she wasn't really interested in being a priestess she's like whatever i'm just trying to have a good time it's pre-civil war new orleans and if you're not a slave that place was cracking Like, this is where you wanted to be as a free person of color or as a white person in the 1820s. Like, it was hot. And so she's like, that's cool. I'll go to these gatherings under this oak tree, but that's not really my business. Until one night... It is said that a giant snake crawled into her bedchamber and started talking to her. And at that point, she decided, oh shit, JK, I need to become a priestess. And she started training with a local voodoo practitioner named Jim Alexander. And at this point, she becomes, I think, even more famous than her mom like she I don't know if it was just because it was later in time and so like the historical records are better but she becomes much more famous than her mother as like the Marie Laveau like the head of voodoo um so she heard like so her mom's voodoo was much more like herbal based she was a nurse she was a healer marie laveau the second like she's older she's later in the historical period they have more documentation on the rituals she would give and they're really funny to read so it would be things like light nine black candles for nine days like take this scroll of paper and shove it in the head of a chicken and all these like very esoteric things but then at the end she'd give real ass life advice where she'd be like and stop being a dick to your neighbors that's why nobody likes you like in so many words she'd be like here's a ritual and also like fix yourself that's why you have problems that's hilarious (laughs) they were very practical rituals um so she in the 1850s she's in her mid-20s and she's really coming to her power and that's when the authorities start cracking down on voodoo so they start like raiding all of these voodoo gatherings they start arresting women for gathering together to practice like non-christian traditions you have to keep in mind these gatherings are female-centered So in order like voodoo is a female-centered religion, you become a priestess by being born to a priestess. So it's like the daughter of a priestess becomes a priestess. So it's um, matrilineal. These gatherings were non-Christian and they were mixed race. So in the 1850s and coincidentally also current times, those are three things that terrify authorities. So they were like locking people up, breaking up these things. There were two warrants for arrest issued for Marie II in 1859, but apparently because she's a witch, she got out of them and was never arrested. Then the Civil War hits, like weird things happen. The historical records get wonky at that time. Then we flash forward to the 1870s. So in the 1870s, the Civil War has ended. And Marie LaVeau II is like, fuck, we just went through a really hard time. I'm a party girl. Let's throw a fucking party and celebrate being out of the Civil War. And so she starts this tradition of throwing these massive voodoo parties at Lake Pontchartrain, which is like this giant lake that surrounds part of the city. Um, and it was technically like where they would gather was outside of New Orleans. So like they couldn't be arrested. So she kind of did this like cheating where she was like, I'm going to go mm-hmm. right outside of the city where they can't raid us but it's close enough that people can come. White people, journalists, politicians, cops, like they fucking hated her. They couldn't keep her name out of their mouth. And so she hits them back in 1874 by placing an ad in the Times-Picayune newspaper, which is still like the main newspaper in New Orleans. And this is what the ad says. I'm reading out this book. Dear Roundabout, Our yearly celebration of St. John's Day, the Voodoo Festival, at the Old Lake End will come off on Wednesday night, the 24th. You and your friends are heartily invited to partake in the festivities, which will take place after the hour of 10 p.m. near Marie Laveau's old place, the White House. In the name of the Queen, don't forget to come. Bring this card with you. So, as much as people proclaim to hate her, they fucking lose their shit. They literally like reroute train schedules so that they will like run to that place during that time. A bunch of like people show up, like the reporters show up. There is a party going on, but there's no religious activities going on, there's no rituals going on, and Marie Laveau isn't present, so she basically just punks their entire asses. Oh my god. (laughs) She's like, psych, go fuck yourself. So in the 18, that's the mid 1870s. And that's kind of around the time like after that where her and her mom both kind of disappear. Like they're disappeared from the public eye. Obviously like anti-voodoo sentiment is huge in New Orleans at the time. And it's also reconstruction. So it's like five years after, or like 10 years after the Civil War, Creoles who once had this like privileged place in society are now just grouped in as other black people. So like they don't have this like, whereas in like, um, antebellum south it was like slaves creoles and then white people in postbellum south it was just black people and white people and so the creoles were actually like getting a shorter end of the stick than they'd ever gotten and it was just not a good time for them and so both her and her mom kind of just disappear from public record from legend we do know that marie laveau the first died in june 1881 there's a death certificate there's a public obituary but there's no record of marie the second's death so, we don't know where she died. We don't know how she died. She wasn't buried in the family crypt. Nobody knows where she's buried. Nobody knows if she died at all. <laughs> so, big question mark there. Just like her husband. Just like her fucking husband. So, Marie, number one, is buried in St. Louis Cemetery, number one, in the French Quarter. So... um to this day like millions of people visit her tomb every year but no one knows where number two is buried that's so weird so here's so you and i went to st louis number three i think and when jimmy was in town in august i wanted to take him to number one but we kind of just ran out of time it's in the quarter it's a very like tourist heavy part of town so we went to my nearest cemetery which i think is st louis number four and this is really confusing if you don't live in new orleans like we have cemeteries that have the same names they have like yeah. numbers and so you're we walking him and I it was like his last day in town we were walking through the cemetery and these two girls who were obviously out of town came up to me probably because I was in all black wearing a black holding a black umbrella looking witchy as fuck and they were like hey do you know where Marie Laveau's tomb is and then like as nicely as I possibly could I was like you're in the wrong cemetery (laughs) like you need to go to st louis number one it's in the french quarter just like google it that's where her tomb is and i was like very nice to them and they walked off but i was like these fucking bitches like they don't even fucking know fucking st louis <laughs> cemetery she's in like oh my god like fucking oh my natures.
0: god that's hilarious so if
1: you're listening and you ever come to new orleans and you want to visit the tomb of marie Laveau, she's in st louis number one don't look stupid so as i said to this day like millions of people will visit her tomb her legacy endures when people are initiated into voodoo they often invoke her spirit her she had a second daughter named philomene who basically like completely rejected the voodoo side of the family when marie died she was like she wasn't a voodoo priestess like she was a devout catholic and basically like whitewashed the entire story of the family so that's partially why No one really knows like what happened and who died, when and all that stuff. But here's what's fucked up. Or, like, maybe not. Like, maybe it's actually like a tip of the hat to how powerful Marie Laveau was. So, in the years following Marie the First's death, there were a ton of laws in New Orleans that were passed that were like, you can't tell fortunes, you can't read tarot, you can't do like offer psychic services. Obviously, that's changed because I'm a tarot 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 reader in New Orleans. But do you remember way back at the beginning of the story when I talked about when they would gather in Congo Square and they'd gather under that oak? and they'd put like all those offerings yeah. in the oak tree yeah three weeks after she dies they would chop the oak tree down <gasps> which like to me fucking like gave me chills because i'm like okay a either like that oak tree was like protected by her magic or she had enough political pull that like they would never would have tried it or both yeah so three wow. weeks like that quickly after she passed away they they cut that tree down
0: oh my god that's so shitty but like the
1: fact that they outlawed all those things is kind of a testament to like like marie Laveau did not invent voodoo she was not the first voodoo priestess but she was powerful enough and well known enough that people knew not to fuck with it Yeah. and it wasn't until like after her death that they dared to even pass those laws so whatever that means like
0: yeah is that a
1: like is that her political prowess is that her magic or is it a combination of the two
0: huh
1: so those i i hope i wasn't too drunk for that but those are the tales of the two marie lavose
0: that's so crazy it's fucking hilarious that she named her daughter her own name like wow. you almost like i feel like that had to have been like you know like a play like
1: strategic
0: yeah. right
1: yeah well so here's the so her daughter philamine that i mentioned the one who oh, like yeah, watched yeah. everything her her name is actually marie but her middle name was philamine and she went by phil so she like named all of her daughters after herself <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's and, like we are one powerful female tribe well and like so philamine's an interesting
1: character and i might be saying her name wrong but whatever in that like she never publicly acknowledged her sister so it was Weird. like almost like she was ashamed. Like her sister was like the wild one that she never wanted to own. Like Philomene was like yeah. the good kid, and and Marie was like, no, I'm taking this magic to the next level.
0: So you're like describing me and my sister. Emma, is that how your sister is? Yeah, she tries to pretend like she's the good one. All right, she had that 35 year old baptism right or whatever the.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. That that reminds me though. Something else about Marie Marie Laveau the first um she there is documentation that her and her husband would buy and then free slaves oh wow so they would purchase slaves is that allowed
0: was that allowed or would no. they be in trouble for that shit no it wasn't allowed but okay. and i won't
1: like I won't get into the details of it, A, because, like, I didn't know them, and B, they're kind of boring, but basically they found, like, a gray area of the law where they were, like, able to do it. So, like, technically, I think it was something, like, technically they owned her, or they sold these women to, like, people who quote-unquote owned them, but let them run free, and then there was, like, a contract, and there was a clause in the seller's contract that was, like, every, all of their offspring are free people, which was legal.
0: Hmm. so you could like
1: legally give like free their offspring from bondage so they like in theory owned her but let her be free and then like made it certain that her kids would not be slaves so they were so they were doing what they could in the time that they lived in
0: yeah so crazy which is weird
1: it's like black people like or people of color buying black people to free them yeah like new orleans is such a weird place dude
0: Well, I would imagine that that would have to be a very weird experience being like a black colored person that's free and seeing other black people that aren't Mm -hmm. and having to just like kind of like, how do you could like, how do you even process that? Like what, you know, I just would imagine feeling fucked up about that.
1: Well, I also think, too, like, I mean, I can't speak on anyone's behalf, but the Creoles were their own ethnicity. Like, they saw yeah. themselves as, like, different. That doesn't yeah. mean they didn't have compassion for those people, but they I don't think they saw themselves as the same as those people.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it's just really fucking weird. But then after, as I was saying, like, after Reconstruction, the Creoles were just seen as black. You know, like, they weren't seen yeah. as anything else. And yeah. so that became, like, an awakening for them of, like, oh, mm. shit. like america sucks
0: (laughs) yeah wow so crazy (laughs) yeah and that was like
1: i mean like this has been a long episode there's so much more but that's the overall gist um i actually like i could go into like the legends of what she was but i really wanted to keep it factual because i feel like that's all we get are the legends yeah um and i do have both of their birthdays believe it or not
0: oh gosh which i was
1: surprised to find out so
0: I w- i'm like thinking and i it's don't know h- i mean it's hard yeah it's it's hard. so hard like i guess we'll go with the f- Mur- the original murray
1: the original what is that oh, name? Oh, the original Marie. i thought you yeah. said murray no murray
0: like- <laughs> um god i mean i want to just say scorpio but i'm assuming it's not sorry i was finishing my wine
1: it's not the original marie i think is harder to guess than the number two
0: my number two guess was gonna be like a like aries or like sag so no and no
1: i don't know either okay that's fine i'll tell you marie number one is a virgo
0: interesting
1: but i mean i didn't like probably didn't stress this enough but she was like a community caregiver Like, her door was, like, open to people. She was a healer. Like, there are some things that, like, she was a mother to the city. And Mm -hmm. I I do see that as being Virgo. But, yeah, her birthday was September 10th, 1801. Oh, cool. The second Marie... Wait, like, take a guess. Because I feel like you might... Like, a witch who's, like, out there, but also, like, likes to have fun and party... Gemini? So close.
0: Who's our sister? Who's our sister? Whose sister? Mia mine and yours or Gemini? Gemini. Aquarius? Yes. Okay, because she's for sure not a Libra. No, God no.
1: She's too <laughs> she got into too
0: much trouble to be a Libra.
1: <laughs> yeah. Libras are like, I didn't do it. Gem- Gemini and Aquarius did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Oh my
1: god, that's funny. Uh, February second, eighteen twenty
0: seven. Oh my god, I was
1: amazed. I was also just. Can we take a second to be like, holy shit, people like recorded that. God
0: bless the Catholic Church. Great work, guys. Seriously, interesting. I'm fucking stoked. I learned about these women. I never knew either of them.
1: I. Can't I? I feel like if you're not from New Orleans and you haven't watched American Horror Story, like you don't really have a reason to know who Marie Laveau is. Yeah, I had never heard of her before Coven. I have to admit, um you have girl, you have to watch that season. I'm gonna
0: literally put it on the minute we end yeah. this recording.
1: And the thing for those of you if you haven't watched American Horror Story, it's you don't have to watch them in order. Each season is like a standalone season that is completely unrelated so you can just jump right into season three and it's fine okay they're all like standalone seasons good
0: yeah to know. wild yeah we, we had a good know. spooky episode Yes, i liked it
1: i don't know what is left i also just love that for, i'm gonna say this is like my ending piece on this if you've never been to new orleans and you're listening come to this beautiful city it's spooky as fuck it's super creepy but like also very welcoming and the graveyards are bomb this is another thing that i should mention the reason the graveyard like i talk about the graveyards here and it's such a big piece of new orleans life is because in new orleans we have to bury our dead above ground because it's so swampy and we get so many floods and hurricanes that this is kind of gross but if you were to bury bodies underground the floods would like make them come to the surface so all of the graveyards are like tombs and mausoleums and they're absolutely gorgeous we like really value the dead here it's some of the most it's probably like the most beautiful cemeteries you'll see in america so if that if you're gothic and you're into it come down here we got it for you
0: It's a really cool place. I mean, I haven't done a ton of traveling in my life, but I can guarantee that I've never been to a place that had the same type of heart and soul that New Orleans has.
1: Yeah, it's just a different... And I don't know why. I think part of it is, like, it's the history of, like, it's American, but it's kind of not American at the same time. It's also just, I think, like, the swamp represents a really weird space between, like, the water and the land. It's, like, an in-between space. And that's how it is here. It's in-between worlds. Just like Marie Laveau was in-between things. Let's wrap up this super long episode. Uh, I do have a woman of the week, real quick. All right. What is it? don't know her name, but she was my massage therapist this Monday. (laughs) who i got a 90 minute ashiatsu massage with do you know what that is no it's where they stand on you so they have like bars in the ceiling and they like put all of their body weight on you with their feet and it changed my life and it's like i am not at all sore for my ride and i believe it was because of this massage therapist whose name i didn't get but she works at bliss nola spa
0: nice so
1: Thank you, whatever your name was. You changed my life. That's hilarious. That's my woman of the week.
0: Well, my woman of the week is CJ. (laughs) Because she fucking killed the game on her bike ride that was 7 billion miles long that most people are too afraid to even attempt. And you went in and fucking did it. Tears and all. Bitch. Bitch. Thanks. Didn't back down. Thanks. Way to All go. All right,
1: guys. Subscribe. Tell your fucking friends for the love of God. And send us an email because we're lonely. Mimosasisterhood at gmail.com. <laughs> tell us about your ghost experiences. <laughs> yeah,
0: please do. That's and it. that's it. Happy cool. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Hangover Day. Yeah, for real.
1: <laughs> Drink that coconut water. <sighs> All right. Okay. Oh, wait should be since this is the longest episode ever just keep it going do you have halloween plans
0: i don't i it's like a wednesday I know. my fucking ass is old as shit i can't party on weekdays anymore like we went to not scary farm last thursday <gasps> yes! and we were out until like 1 a.m and like strug fucking life friday morning and like not even like hungover like nothing just like lack of sleep and like being alive outdoors late know
1: just just like keeping your (laughs) body
0: going just like not being horizontal at 10 p.m (laughs) and like keeping like my spirit out and about till 1 a.m it was brutal friday i'm just too old for that shit now so until halloween falls back on a weekend or i'm like have like time off for halloween like it's fucking granny style in bed no costume
1: can i say what i'm doing to what are rub you rub doing it in your face yeah rub it so in. i take i have a standing appointment every thursday morning that so i take thursday mornings off because i'm a contractor and i get to do that Woo! yay um and i'm going to a midnight showing of rocky horror picture show oh my god i'm so excited i haven't been to a rocky horror picture show in like probably 10 years so i'm super fucking excited
0: that's gonna be so fun yeah i'm gonna like do it up
1: big looking gothic and witchy as fuck like i can't wait
0: i'm so jealous
1: and because it's new orleans you can like bring alcohol anywhere nobody gets mad at you so it's like totally byob so i'm gonna show up with like seven bottles of wine it's gonna be a great time yeah i can't wait god bless you thank you Alright, witches and ghouls and ghastly dicks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have a happy Halloween! (laughs) Bye!